On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we are vengeance. That's right. We saw the freaking Batman. Get your popcorn ready. Fear is a tool when that light in the sky. The hell are you supposed to be? It's not just a call. PG-13, experience it in IMAX, only in theaters March 4th. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing great. You know, I, uh, let's see. We had this week, this week was a little chaotic for me. We had, uh, last weekend I went to, uh, Legoland with the kids and anytime you go anywhere with what we have we had five kids six kids under the age of eight or ten so that was uh that was fun chaos did sea world you know did the whole san diego thing so that was good and then uh lots of meetings this week some track meets so yeah it was a busy week but it all it all concluded with some some delightful delightful uh batman time some delightful batman time indeed and we haven't you know we we've been on a little mini sabbatical the last uh think about uh, better part of a month maybe a little bit more than that you know you and i have talked about this david but one of the things that that has been really difficult over the past couple of years obviously doing a movie podcast movie theater stuff notwithstanding has just been you know the mental you know breaks that are needed sometimes and uh, I think one of the big things is that, you know, this started out as a hobby for us. It still is, is one of our favorite things to do, but much like your week, it's been a busy month, month and a half or so for all of us, which is why we have, you know, not had a new episode in a while. And for that, I want to apologize and, and obviously say that we are still around and we are still doing episodes. And it's a little bit easier to do one when you have something as monumental as a new Batman movie coming out. Um, but rest assured, we will be talking about things like the Oscars, which are coming up in less than a month, our Hindsight Awards, which I wanted to mention very quickly. Um, you can listen to our previous Hindsight Awards podcast where we look back 20 years into the past and see what movies maybe should have won some of the big awards from that year. Our Hindsight Awards are up for voting right now. We'll talk about them a little bit more potentially next week, but you can vote now on our selections on our nominees just by going to popcorndietpodcast.com and then clicking on articles where it will be at the top of the page. Um, so check that out if you're interested in, again, maybe in hindsight, giving an award to something that wasn't as celebrated when uh, I think it was the Be- A Beautiful Mind and Ron Howard were celebrated, not necessarily a movie that comes up in a lot of conversation nowadays which is why we do those awards but as you said david we are here for the batman and uh, 
I have been incredibly excited about this movie for a very long time. I don't know what it is about Batman movies in general. I mean, I could I could break down. I mean, as a matter of fact, let's just talk about it. What is it about Batman that we enjoy? What is it about Batman that you enjoy? Obviously, we have had many iterations that we'll talk about, but were you hyped going into this? It's it's been a while since I've been this excited for a movie. Um, where are you when it comes to like the Batman? Well, I think in regards to Batman, you know, I think it was I was definitely a Batman person over a Superman person growing up. So I watched a lot of the cartoons and uh, animated series. I liked Batman Begins. Um, I've watched, you know, every Batman movie as they've come out, um, other than obviously the ones that predated me being alive. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I think the thing for me that always was fun about Batman is he wasn't, you know, some superhuman. He didn't have, wasn't a mutant, you know, he, seemed like someone that anybody could be you know to some degree outside of the insane wealth and gadgets and all that kind of stuff so i think there was a, a down-to-earthness of batman but i also you know i think one of the things batman's always benefited from is you know having such great villains to go against such memorable villains and and i think a big part of that is also the quality of people we've had play the villains, you know, the, you know, even in the more kitschy ones, like a Batman and Robin, like you remember the villains, even if it's for uh, <laughs> the reasons then being, you know, a phenomenal performance, like a Heath Ledger in Joker. So I think all of them, whether it was, you know, campy or, you know, an Oscar level performance like Heath Ledger gave, all of them were memorable to a large degree. Like, I don't think I ever walked away from a Batman movie being like, that was forgettable, you know? So I think there's that aspect of it. I think going into this movie, I think I was just excited to see us get away from DC trying to be Marvel and trying to build up their own competing universe. Um, I had nothing against the bat flick, but uh, I don't think he was set up to succeed. Obviously, we've talked about what a mess kind of that series of movies were, excluding maybe uh, Wonder Woman. Hey, 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 have some respect for Aquaman. They like there's an octopus. Right. It, there's an octopus playing drums in that movie. <laughs> like, You're right. It can't be understated. You're right. You're right. Aquaman, Aquaman, I will uh, elevate above some of the other of uh, of that mess, but um, even even then, I mean, as much as I think the Justice League movies and the movies that surrounded them, uh, notwithstanding Aquaman and Wonder Woman, were a bit of a mess, and I didn't walk away from them feeling like, oh my gosh, I love that movie. Right. But I was still hyped to see them. So, I mean, I think there's something always about Batman movies that will get me hyped. I think for this movie, uh, in addition to getting away from kind of that world that universe we were stuck in mm -hmm. i was excited by the castings first and foremost so oh yeah anytime and i think it was established when we got heath ledger as joker that was like one of the first times i can remember in a in a superhero movie like really going like against type for like a casting sure. at least in my mind um 
and like one of the few times I can remember being like, I don't really see it. <laughs> like leading up to the movie, like I was hyped for the movie, but I was still like, that was my question going in. Like, I don't know how this is going to work with Heath Ledger as Joker. And so um, I think to some degree that was the same way with this movie because I was like, Pattinson, I mean, I, I'm not someone that just thinks of him as as Edward from uh, the Twilight movies. Sure. That being said, while he's a great actor, I just didn't know if I saw Batman in him, especially from like somewhat the relationship of like, could he become that like physical force that you need from Batman? Like they don't have to be, you know, some blown up, you know, godlike looking person, but at the same time, like they have to look like they can land some good punches and take some good punches. And so I was curious to see, you know, how he would transform physically. I also, you know, as we started to get all the different rumors or casting people like Paul Dano and, right, um, you know, Zoe Kravitz and, you know, all the people, again, they weren't necessarily your traditional casting outside of maybe Colin Farrell being cast for it and even him putting him as Penguin and burying him under tons of makeup and that kind of stuff was an interesting choice to some degree so I think that all made me really hyped um, but I think it for mostly for this movie it was just it felt like we were going to wipe the slate clean sure. and take another run at this Batman thing so I, I don't want to say it was quite the same way as like when we got Batman and Robin and then when we got Christopher Nolan's Batman after that, because I think that followed in sequence, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a, I a mean, there was while. a ton of time, way more time than what happened between this, but yeah. I think to some degree it was a similar mindset for me of like, okay, there's some really cool people attached to this. I don't know how this is all going to work and if this is going to be great, but there's a lot of great people attached to this. And it feels like we're doing a 180 from what we just left off with Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean, to that point, like the same thing with the casting all now. I think one of my favorite things about Batman and Batman stories is that they really are kind of like a Rorschach test, you know, to to invoke another vigilante uh, comic book hero. Um, they're a lot a lot like an inkblot test. And even the worst, even the ones that don't work, um, I think achieved what they were setting out to do. So like they are valid, like those are valid interpretations. Um, even like I said, even if, even if they weren't, aren't, aren't like as greatly celebrated or, or greatly um, uh, acclaimed, right? So like you go back and you look at like the 60s Adam West, campy groovy man like all that kind of stuff like it's still great it's still great it's its own thing it's goofy as hell but it's still great you go to the 90s and you go to tim burton and his kind of weird little goth kid creepy you know weirdo kind of thing where everybody's kind of a freak just looking for their place in the world even the the the, the two that schumacher did you know the late 90s going back to the camp but it's really more of like this like cotton candy, like sexualized, but in like a kind of 
harmless way you know like we're gonna put nipples on the bat suit we're gonna have shots of butts in the in the superhero costumes but also like in a completely almost like asexual kind of way where we're just gonna sell toys like those movies are not good movies but like they achieved exactly what they set out to do you know call schumacher you know the director of the worst batman movies all you want but he had a, a freaking vision and executed it obviously the big city crime saga of Christopher Nolan's trilogy, even Snyder's version where it's this grizzled, angry veteran Batman who is seeking redemption through like the expanding of the world, right? Through the, the showing up of gods and aliens and superheroes. And then now we have a 2020s grunge detective noir from Matt Reeves and, and Robert Pattinson. And, and I just think that's really fun. I think that's really cool. I also think that the character of Batman is just so interesting because obviously he was created, you know, d- damn near a hundred years ago, you know, as like the, the first uh, films um, were in the forties. So like we're, we're right there. And he was created, I think his first, his first issue was 1939 so, you know, not quite 100 years, but 80 years or so. And he is a character that is born out of trauma, right? He's a character that is born of, saw his parents murdered. And so he decided to become a vigilante by night and a playboy billionaire by day. And I love how, like, as we have grown as maybe, you know, whatever you want to call it, as we have grown as a society, as we have grown more um, kind of emotionally intelligent, as we have been able to map the psychological effects of the human brain and the human psyche a little bit more, these movies are approaching trauma in a different way, which obviously this movie has a lot about that. Um, But before we talk about this movie, before we get into the Batman, I wanted, you brought up this suggestion. I thought it was a really good suggestion. Just do like a little speed round of, uh, of some favorites. So would you like to be the one I took your categories but would you like right. to be the one to introduce what we're talking about here? Yeah. So I think I think uh, one of the fun things about Batman is that you can go from person to person, and like you were talking about earlier, and know a little bit about that person based off of who's their Batman. You know, who's their Batman? What's their favorite Batman? All that kind of stuff. And so I think. Uh, I think it lends to some fun because I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, there's obviously people will defend their, their choices like there is a right or wrong answer, but I think it's fun to, to hear what people think and, and those types of things. So just a few categories here just to kick us off before we get in, because I think there's tons of stuff for us to talk about when it comes to Batman. So um, I don't think we want to waste too time, too much time, because this will become two and a half hours long. Yes, but I thought M- it'd be much fun like since we're much talking like about the Batman. Batman. <laughs> yes, much like the Batman. <laughs> we're gonna try to beat the Batman's runtime in our podcast about the Batman. So we can do it. All right. So first one, and actually, I'm gonna switch this order because I feel like okay, we should switch it. So I'm gonna go favorite villain not Heath Ledger I think universally everybody just kind of accepts that Heath Ledger is is the best Batman villain right now that being said if if you disagree with that feel free to say Heath Ledger is not 
my favorite from all the various Batmans sure. and say who is. But if it is Heath Ledger, we're going to pick someone other than Heath Ledger. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost like like it's like Michael Jordan, right? Like it's Michael Jordan and everybody else. It's when, when somebody it's Michael Phelps and then everybody else. I think obviously he won an Oscar for it. Obviously, there was the subversion of expectation. Obviously, there was the tragedy of his passing. Um, the, the the culture shock that it was of this 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 different version of a Joker. So I think like objectively speaking, like I think Heath Ledger is just the best Batman villain, like objectively. Is he my favorite? No, my favorite actually doesn't make any objective sense because my favorite is Tommy Lee Jones's Two-Face. It makes no go. sense. I can objectively say that Tommy Lee Jones's portrayal of Two-Face like is not comic book accurate at all. As a matter of fact, there are several things he does in that movie that are the total opposite of like the ethos and the existence of what Two-Face stands for, such as the scene where he's flipping his coin multiple times to try and get his desired outcome. That is not that's not how that works. Like, that's not how his relationship with the coin works or anything like that. Um, there are brief moments where there is a Harvey Dent and a two face that exists. You know, there are brief moments where Harvey Dent comes out and says, like, you know, oh, thank you, Bruce. You've always been a true friend as he's holding a gun on him. Like that kind of stuff is really interesting. He does way too maniacal of love laughing in the entire film. Um, but I always just liked his portrayal. Like I always liked the makeup effects and the nonsense suit that he wore is one of my favorites. And yeah, like again, objectively, he might even be at the bottom of the barrel in terms of like um, Batman portrayals or villain portrayals. But he's my favorite. I don't I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the right time and the right age the right combination of things, but I've got to go with Tommy Lee Jones is two face. Like it's, it's almost weird saying that, but I have a special place in my heart for the guy. Uh, what about you? I do feel, I do feel like Batman forever came out at like the perfect time to like imprint itself on, on you and I, and, and, you know, people in, in our general age group, because it had a great soundtrack. Yeah. It had, you know, catchy music. It had some big name people that were just doing larger than life, goofy type of things. It was accessible. And yeah, it was just, I think no one walked away saying it's like, this is the most amazing movie, but like, it was just a lot of fun. So, and, and we were the perfect age because those are when the movies turned into toy commercials, basically where Batman's got to sure. have five new vehicles and he's got to have two new suits and we got to have multiple villains and things like that. And I had all that shit. I had the sonar special Batman. I had the two face toys. I think we were like six. No, we were nine. I think when it came out and that's boom, that is the uh, target audience. Congratulations, Warner brothers mission accomplished yep um so for me i'm gonna go a little bit different direction and it's heath ledger would be my pick um but if i'm going outside of him i am gonna go with 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 devito's penguin Ooh, okay if if nothing else for how absolutely repulsive he is and memorable he is in that <laughs> I considered going with Jack. Um, Classic. 
but there's just something about that penguin in a absolutely horrible way that just is forever scarred in my brain and just how all in DeVito was to uh <laughs> to playing that part and the way that they decided to use him I just it's it's burnt into my memory um and I just enjoy going back to it I enjoy I enjoy the idea of thinking about like bringing that character back in some way and obviously we'll talk in in this movie they went a different direction with penguin right but like <laughs> i'm just thinking of him like in the christian bale uh franchise or yeah. like any of that just how ridiculous he was but also just it wasn't campy like the uh the schumacher ones and you know riddler and those types of things but it also wasn't like what we got in nolan so it's right the the direction that they went was serious but it was also like what the heck am i watching like is this really is he really eating the heads off of fishes and yeah you know all those types of things so yeah it's that it's that darkness by way of like you know uh darkness by way of like family circus which is tim burton's kind of brand where it's like Yep. There are things that are seemingly family friendly, but also like, again, very gross and very weird. And DeVito, yeah. the problem with all the Batman villains post joke post Nicholson is that all of the Batman villains turned into just like, we're going to have one liners and we're going to do a lot of maniacal laughing. And these, mm -hmm. you know, as we have had more Batman on film, we have seen more nuance in these into them actually being characters but like DeVito is yep. fantastic. I love he has a line where he's like, you're just mad because I'm I'm a genuine freak and you have to wear a mask like <laughs> it, it's it's great. It's fantastic. And uh, his plan is also really dark. He wants to murder all the children in Gotham City, which is yes. <laughs> insane. <laughs> it really um, is. It really is. So it's very all right. it's, it's very good, though. All right. What's so you, I went to face. You went uh, DeVito's Penguin. What's next? Yep. All right. So similar line of thinking. Um, we're going to go favorite ally. So this can be can be a cat woman if they at times were on the side of Batman in mm -hmm. in helping him. Uh, it can be obviously Robin. It can be a detective. And this one, though, again, we could have the same pick, but a different actor's portrayal of it. So sure. it's not the character itself. It's the specific portrayal in which in a specific movie. Sure. And we're not going to use this one because there are some I, there are some I think. I do think there are some things that in this movie I would probably put. Um, mm hmm. I will give a special shout out to Chris O'Donnell's Robin. Like I thought Robin showing up was cool as hell. Again, going back to Absolutely. Batman forever, just being like the perfect time. Like when Robin shows up in his suit and he's, they even give him like a hero pose when he like beats down two face. Like that's cool, man. I don't care who you are. I don't care if the nipples on the suit are weird. Like it was cool. It was cool seeing the Robin suit translated to like this version of Batman, like costume at all listen um i enjoyed watching him do laundry in a spectacular form in a spectacular form but i think and and again like shouts out to ann hathaway's portrayal of catwoman which i think a lot of people sleep on nowadays i think when it came out everybody mm -hmm. was really like oh she's great 
And then it's kind of fallen by the wayside, but she's great as Catwoman. Like Michelle Pfeiffer is the all timer, but she really had a lot of work to do. I think I'm going to go with Oldman and Oldman being Jim Gordon, like Gary Oldman's Jim mm-hmm. Gordon again, like grows with Batman um, into a commissioner Gordon and is like a true ally. And it's nice when you get to see Gary Oldman play a good guy, uh, which is very rare. And he didn't have to do it with like a boatload of makeup on or anything. Like it's like Gary Oldman, you just get to be Gary Oldman. You wear a mustache. Um, so I will go with I will go with Gary Oldman, although there are a lot from you know, there are a lot from that franchise as well. Uh I, I wish we would have gotten to see more. Um uh oh god, I'm blanking on his name. I can't believe it. Um of Alfred in Affleck's Batman. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm dying here. Um, I'm like, this is an embarrassment. Uh, oh God, Jake. I'm just gonna let this happen. I'm not even gonna edit this out. I'm just gonna let it exist <laughs> that I'm fumbling this battle. Jeremy Irons for Alfred. Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have seen more Jeremy Irons Alfred. Um, but my favorite is gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Gary Oldman's detective slash lieutenant slash commissioner gordon what about you this one was tough for me i really wanted to go with chris o'donnell because for whatever reason that is and it's probably again going back to batman forever having a special place in my heart and i really wanted to go with him but i think i'm gonna go i also considered michelle pfeiffer much like you uh that one was kind of came down to Michelle Pfeiffer and the one that I, I picked, but I think I'm going with now I'm second guessing myself. I think Just I'm going to go it. with Morgan Freeman. I'm going with Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He's such an asset to not only is he like almost like the cue of, <laughs> of uh, the Nolan series. Yep. In the very much so that he gets to, inter- he gets to introduce all the new toys and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think he does a really good job of kind of, you know, bringing out a lot of like Christian Bale's Bruce slash Batman's like evolution over the course of the movies. Um, and you see him obviously evolve as a character, but he's also kind of like a, a compass in a lot of ways in a different way than Alfred is in that movie. And um, obviously Morgan Freeman's fantastic and, and awesome, but he's uh, I'm going to go with him from uh, from the Nolan movies. Okay. All right, I like it. What's our next one? All right, next one we're going. This this one I'm, I know you will be even more so passionate about than me. But I'm going with favorite music. Sure. So which movie's music? And it can be, you know, you can be referencing their score. It can be sure. referencing a combination. Like Kiss from some a movies Rose. have taken different approaches, uh, in as far as what they've done. Obviously, um, some of them had a lot of you know, pop music like Batman I mean, Forever did. Prince, um, we were too young to care, but Prince did a Batman album. Let's just let us not forget. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so how cra- how, favorite music. How how crazy would it be if I was like, Kiss from a Rose, Seal, lock it in? It's <laughs> well, not and, that. And that could be... <laughs> And you don't have to go even as linear or as specific as favorite songs. So, I mean, when you're talking Batman Forever, you've got Kissed by a Rose. You got the Flaming Lips. Uh, 
oh yeah song that's in there you got uh i think you two did you two do a song i think like there's 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 music in in batman is uh amazing i actually saw a clip there's a clip online of from this new batman iteration it's it's a short clip it's like 40 seconds but somebody redid it and layered the music of every major version of Batman on the screen, and it still works. They layered the Burton mm-hmm. theme. They layered the Goldenthal theme. They layered the 60s na 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 Like, and it <laughs> it's kind of crazy how it works. Um, I think, I think I got, this is crazy. Um, Cause I'm a big Hans Zimmer guy. And obviously I think his music for the dark Knight trilogy is incredible. Um, but it's Danny Elfman's OG original, but like it is an incredible theme. It's an all timer of a theme. It is heroic. There is one particular like verse at the end of that movie. Um, when it's bump, 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 it's a very like heroic anthem. Uh, and so I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to say Danny Elfman's pro- original Batman score. Um, although when you play it with like, I've always found the opening sequence of Batman returns to be terrifying when they have like mm-hmm. baby penguin in like the cage and in like the, uh, like a Noah face or not. Noah, excuse me. Um, uh, uh, it's basically um like the story of Exodus, right? Uh, yep. It's basically, you know, that entire him in in his little basket floating along, and to the music, it's actually incredibly scary. It was incredibly scary for me, but it's Danny Elfman. Like, I can't believe I'm going Danny Elfman, but I am. What about you, Seal? Kiss from a Rose. I'm gonna oh. listen to that song when we're done. By the way. I don't even care the judgment that I will receive, but I am going Batman forever. Let's I go. remember listening to that soundtrack over and over and over again. And funny enough, I read not too long ago when I was like, well, I like this album so much. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some songs on there that I really enjoy, but it's definitely hasn't aged as well, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to pick it for the impact it had on me when i listen to it and uh and my enjoyment of it i own the cd um so i think that alone you know makes me makes me need to pick it but going through the soundtrack yeah you got u2 you got brandy you got seal you got uh the offspring you got method man you have uh you have uh michael hutchins from nxs Kiss from a Rose won three Grammys, so like, no, there is no shame. You, it's we're talking about a Grammy award winning album, absolutely. So, yep. So that's that's where I'm going. That's a good call. We'll we'll move right along so we can get into the uh, the movie itself. So yes, uh, two more categories. Next one, favorite Batmobile. This one probably. uh... Um. Oh man, this one. Uh, so and I'll allow the I'll allow the new one too if you want to talk. About so I wouldn't allow the new spoilery. one. It might be the new one. the The OG television one is dope, like the bubble shell twin cockpit. That one is really cool. Um, I always liked when. So what I liked, I think I'm gonna go with Batman Returns, 
because there was a cool feature that was actually it wasn't really a feature like in the toys. It was like, oh, look, the Batmobile turns into like the bat missile or whatever. Um, But I did like there's a moment in that movie where the Batmobile has to shed like the two sides of it to fit through like a narrow corridor, which there is no use for that except for that specific situation. Um, But again, like that design is iconic. It's awesome as hell. Um, It would not go over a single speed bump very well. Uh, It would bottom out (laughs) and Batman would be stuck and need to call AAA. Um, But it was really cool. And I remember how cool it was when it was like, oh, look, the the panels fly off and it's the bat missile now. And so they kind of did a little bit of the similar thing with the tumbler and the new ones um, where the bat pod was birthed out of it. Uh, But I'm going to go with that one. That's again, crazy, but I'm, I'm doing it. I don't care. I like it. Um, I was torn between the oldest and the newest in this category. Um, As you mentioned, I was, I was torn between the classic and everything that's amazing about it and the new one. Um, it's so good. I'm going to go with the new one. And and maybe this is just, you know, teeing it up for us to get into uh, the actual movie itself. But um, I just love the idea of like, this is just a straight muscle car that I'm just going to soup up. Granted, there's some things in there that probably aren't realistic, but that's a Batmobile in general. But uh, I just like that it's a souped-up muscle car that's loud, that's intimidating. You know, it's got a little bit of uh, oh, uh, Mad Max in it. <laughs> you know, it's got a, a little, little bit of... Uh, a little Mad Max, a little, like, a little uh, Christine. Like, a little, like, oh, this is a demon car. Yes. Very cool. Yes. So... Big fan, big fan, and we'll obviously talk more. So, last one, favorite Batman actor, and I will allow if you uh, if you would like to use Pattinson on this, but um, and it's I not was... the actor itself; it's the portrayal of Batman. Which one's your favorite portrayal of Batman? So. We don't have time. This could be a whole, like, again, like, there's so much to talk about when it comes to Batman. We're already going long, and we haven't even talked about the new one yet. There is a larger conversation to be had about who is a good Batman, who is a good Bruce Wayne, who is both. Like, for example, the argument that Clooney is a good Bruce Wayne and a garbage Batman. Like, (laughs) I think that's a very valid argument and a very valid conversation that could be had. Um I'm not going to overcomplicate things, though. Like, I'm going to go with Christian Bale. Like, he is the most complete Batman that we have seen. He is he got his full trilogy, his full arc. His character went full circle. His Bruce Wayne kind of grew and evolved. Um, and his Batman had a beginning, a middle and an end. And so, again, like he is like undoubtedly, no question, the most complete portrayal of Batman that we've had. Every single other version have, has either not gotten their own Batman movie like Ben Affleck or got did two and then left like Keaton Kilmer and and Clooney were one off. So yeah, no Christian Bale. Like we don't need to like, we don't need to litigate this in my opinion. Yep. Well, and I will agree that being said, I'll use my, uh, my couple minutes of, uh, of stage time on this topic to say, I do think 
Pattinson will have a word if he gets, you know, a series of movies because I think what they're doing with him in this movie, um, and this will segue us right into the movie, is is different than what we've seen. Um, yes. Whether it be his portrayal of Bruce um, and being a slightly younger Bruce than pretty much every other Batman we've gotten, uh, whether it be, you know, the the route that we're they're choosing to kind of give them as far as, you know, a little bit more immature with that age. Yep. Um, but I think the cool thing raw, about more it is, raw, more unpolished. Yeah. The cool thing about it is you saw his evolution just in this movie, but like there's so much room in movies to come to really take that character and evolve him even more so than what we got from Christian Bale's character. Uh, so I think, the door is open for him to potentially take it. I still think like Christian Bale is just like, I mean, if you created in a lab Batman and, yeah. you know, checked off all the different boxes, like you'd probably come up with something close to Christian Bale. So, I mean, exactly. that was about as perfect casting as, as you could get. So it's going to be still tough for, for Pat's and to, uh, to pass him. But I, I do think, the way this movie set him up, he's got a chance for for passing Christian Bale, but it'll be it'll be a long shot. Absolutely. Also, I just found out that I can buy the Batman Returns Bat Missile vehicle for a very reasonable price of eight hundred dollars. Not what the entire. Doing? I'm talking. I'm talking about. Also, I should have mentioned the it's it's the toy. <laughs> It's not oh. the actual vehicle. It is the toy well, that converted, which I'm almost certain that I owned for 800 bucks, not the actual vehicle. <laughs> should have held on to it. Uh, on well, to I, mean, toys. I mean, that's a perfect segue into talking about the Batman, the, the, the new Batman, the new Batman film from Matt Reeves. Um, but before we do, we're going to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, we're back. We're talking non-spoilers at first. We'll throw another pause in before we get into spoilers. But, but you, you know, you mentioned that you think Pattinson has a, has a good case to be made here. Before we get into the performances, obviously this is a new version of the Batman. This is maybe the most detective version that we have seen. He is a true blue detective. He is hunting down clues. He is he is doing crime scene analysis. 
Um, and I mean, the short version is that I just thought it was awesome. Like, I just, I'm just here for it. I don't, it's three hours long. We can talk about the runtime a little bit more, but I loved it. I loved, I loved, I loved this movie. Like I really, I've heard conversations about how people have loved it, but they don't know how much they want to go back and rewatch it. I want to go watch this movie five more times. Like I want to go dedicate like a significant amount of time to going to see this movie. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed this detective aspect of it all. I, I enjoyed that that this movie is a hard-boiled detective noir. If you watched detective movies in the past that had a gumshoe in a trench coat wearing a, 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 a fedora, dragging on a cigarette, talking about how this city used to mean something, but it's not anymore. Like any one of those detective stories, that is this movie, but with Batman. And I'm here for it, a thousand percent. That's my short version. What about you? Yeah, so runtime is definitely an issue from the standpoint of revisiting it. I think that's going to be something that creates a challenge. That being said, and granted, I'm not putting this into the same category as something like Return of the King, but you could say the Lord of the Rings movies in general made a crap load of money and they were long run times as well. Sure. So it's not that that can't be overcome. I didn't, as I watched it, I didn't feel like in the pacing or any of that kind of stuff, it like there wasn't time, there wasn't a big lull where I was like, and I saw this at 915 at night. So if there would have been a big lull, I would have been struggling to stay awake probably. And so I think just by the fact that like I was engaged wide awake, tracking with it, the entire movie um, is a testament to some degree for it already. Um, I do think maybe it spins its wheels a little bit in times where like, we maybe don't necessarily need another scene to demonstrate this or you know we could have gotten to a specific point a little bit quicker like i do think if you wanted to you could trim this up and not lose a significant aspect of the movie like i think there's some things that that you could make this a tidier film as far as runtime that being said i wasn't mad about any of what we got as far as that goes um, I do think I'm with you. Obviously, we know your love of uh, noir detective films. Um, yes. I'm a big fan as well. I felt like it had a little bit of, not from like a look of it, but it had a little bit of uh, like Sin City in it. It kind of reminded me a little bit. Right, uh, which which in and of itself is a comic book, you know, uh, tribute yeah. to those types of stories. Yeah, so... You know, I think there's there's definitely a lot of familiar beats from, you know, those types of movies. And I think it does pay homage to that really well. And I think it they pull it off. And again, I think one of the strengths of this movie, and I'm glad it delivered because it was one of the things I was anticipating about the movie, was that it's not going to feel like any other Batman movie that we've gotten before. Like, this isn't the same Batman that we've, this isn't a Batman we've ever seen before. It's not a Gotham we've seen before. This isn't a story line that we've gotten before. And so I think that on its own, it feels really refreshing about it and had me really engaged with it as I watched it. 
yeah i mean you're right like it is three hours like like objectively it's three hours objectively cutting 15 to 20 minutes would make it shorter but to your point that three hours never feels like three hours it never feels like oh this again there's everything that's in there is interesting and and helps build and grow the mystery and the plan carries the plot along or helps uh, uh deepen the relationships between characters in, in many ways and and not only give you know our characters more information in which to grow and act on but also us as an audience so like while those things are undoubtedly true it's almost like it's almost like and i'm not saying you're saying this but it's almost like us talking about it is purely a perfunctory like listen guys three hours is a long amount of time like three hours is a lot of time there's no doubt about it. That is a huge investment of your time. You go see a seven o'clock movie with previews. You're not getting out till 1030. Like that's a, that's a lot of time. But yeah, I'm just, I don't care. Hook me up to it. <laughs> Put it on a loop. I don't, I'm, it's the music, the performances, everything is so much fun. So let's talk about those performances here. Obviously, we got to talk about Pattinson. Uh, we got to talk about Patman, if you will. Um I think one of the most interesting things, and this is non-spoiler here, but I think one of the most interesting things about this this version of it is that this Batman feels like it has an arc as in terms of a character, more so than maybe any other version that I've seen, and that includes Christian Bale. Um, he starts out the movie in one place and ends it at a completely different place, having grown and learned new things, and that's really exciting because traditionally Batman movies make Batman the least interesting character. Um, and, and he has no arc. He's here to just fight a new villain or what have you. Um, his Bruce Wayne is super interesting. The way that he's dealing with the trauma of his life, of the tragedies in his life, the way that he is dealing with the sickness that is in Gotham is super interesting. You talked about how he has the opportunity to really potentially be our greatest on-screen Batman. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the reason for that is, one, we're getting them at a younger age. Um, and so there's a lot of options that you have as you make additional films. Like, Nolan decided to make everything pretty darn, you know, one movie immediately leads pretty much into the next movie. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if that I've ever looked up, like, how long the Nolan series spans, but it doesn't feel like more than a year or two at the most. Um, the whole, wait, no, not the whole, the whole series. The Nolan series. Yeah. Well, I mean, excluding obviously the, the early stuff, but I mean, once he comes back and has yeah. the stuff with, with, uh, I mean, basically from when he comes back and is back in Gotham, I'm not counting sure. when he goes off with the Raza Ghoul and, and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, it's pretty quick as far as that goes. Like Bruce Wayne is relatively the same age throughout. Interesting. That's an interesting of- reading. I don't know that I have the same reading on, on that, but like we don't have to litigate it now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my impression of it. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like and I maybe need to revisit between each of the movies. But I felt like he didn't really evolve much from like a an age standpoint. I think his character changed a lot. But 
I didn't get the sense that like we stretched over a long period of time. Whereas like with this movie, because we're starting him so young and this isn't really a spoiler. um, I don't think it's too big of a spoiler. They say in the movie at one point that it's 20 years since his parents' death. So that probably puts him in, you know, his mid twenties, which I think is definitely younger than outside of maybe when Christian Bale goes off, you know, on his pilgrimage thing. Um, maybe they're similar ages there, but the bulk of the time that we spend with him in Gotham, I feel like sure. he's a little bit older than that. But I think there's there's some opportunities as well as just the level of maturity that they they have him uh, portray. You know, there's some super like childish things that he does throughout his portrayal um, that you know, would scream, this is someone who had a huge tragedy at a younger age and like stunted his (laughs) like psychological development. And so I thought that was super interesting. And to your point, he does a great job or they do a great job in the writing and in Pattinson's portrayal of seeing him grow up before your eyes um, in ways that, yeah, like you said, I I don't think we've seen in, in previous movies. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. He's great in the film. I mean, the film is just impeccably cast. Uh, the, the casting is really well done. Zoe Kravitz brings, you know, a certain level to this version of Catwoman that I found really interesting in that, like, she's not. Um, I mean, she's she's just different in a way that I, I don't think we've seen before. Her Catwoman feels like, and she's never obviously referred to as Catwoman. I don't think they ever say, they refer to her as like the cat a couple of times. But she is somebody who feels like she has lived in the squalors of Gotham her entire life, was raised from the bottom and has had to fight every single battle on her own, um, which is, I think is really, was is really cool and a really cool version of that where they lean into Catwoman not as an adversary, but as a anti-hero adjacent, if you will. Um, yeah. The, the cast, I mean, again, this cast is so deep. I love the relationship that Jeffrey Wright's Gordon has with Batman. This kind of almost like grizzled buddy cop kind of professional relationship and the way Gordon, like, again, these are smaller details, but like the way just he calls Batman man a couple of times where he's just like, like, we got to get out of here, man. Or like, what are we doing down mm-hmm. here, man? Or I don't even know who you are, man. Like, I love that. I just thought that was just a really fun touch of of him to finding a way to be familiar with this guy who's dressed like this, who he knows nothing about, and yet they they so intrinsically trust each other. And then, I mean, then you know, this cast is so deep. Paul Dano is as the Riddler is almost the exact version you think you're getting if you are familiar with Paul Dano. They let him go big mm-hmm. a couple of times. Farrell as the penguin is is again like really incredible in a way because he really melts into the role. You really don't see Farrell, but you know it's him. So like every once in a while, it's really amusing to hear Farrell do like his De Niro. Like he sounds like he's doing his De Niro, just like hey, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. And and yeah, and then the supporting crew. I mean. Andy Serkis is Alfred. Peter Skarsgård shows up in this movie and is incredible. And Totoro, you know, you, you, I want to give you time to speak on Totoro. He's just crushing it, just showing up and crushing it. 
Um, how do you like the, how think, do you like the way that that all filled in? Yeah, you know, the only one that I felt like maybe I don't want to say was overcast, but like I didn't feel necessarily the necessity of it being you know such a big name would be Colin Farrell as Penguin. I know. Now that you've, being you've said, been down, you've been a little down, more down on Farrell than I'd expected, and I'm I'm here to defend it if needed. Well, here's my thing is just I think anytime you cast a movie star, like a, a big name star, like there's a level of, you know, using that that stardom for a reason. I feel like when you when you typically cast someone and like he's so buried under the makeup that honestly, like I didn't. I wasn't as ingrained into reading everything and all that kind of stuff like you are, because I usually like to stay away from that stuff. And so honestly, because this has been coming out for so long, I kind of forgot who he was in the movie. Uh, And when Penguin showed up, I didn't immediately think, Oh, there's Colin Farrell. Duh. He's Penguin. And I honestly forgot it was him. And so, you know, whether you want to say that's a good thing or bad thing, it's neither here nor there for me. It could have been someone else and I would have enjoyed it just as much. Like that's, that's what I'm getting at. Typically when you cast Brad Pitt, you don't want people to maybe not recognize that that's Brad Pitt. Like, you know, so to me, that's, that's more what I mean by it maybe was unnecessary. Did I enjoy it? Absolutely. I'm a Colin Farrell fan. Um, But it's not like when he plays bullseye in daredevil and it's like (laughs) Colin Farrell's, going for it type of thing and so man what a what a what a journey right so crazy um outside of that though like i was i did not know totoro was in it when i went and saw it and him showing up as uh falcone um which is maybe a mild spoiler so i apologize but if you know imdb i don't think casting's a spoiler i'm just gonna say that right now like i think if if you're if you think who is playing a character in a movie is a spoiler like i think you're i love that you're listening to us all due respect please keep listening to us i think you're doing it wrong and you should maybe reevaluate how you approach these things because (laughs) that's just the people involved with telling the story that's not it's not a spoiler a spoiler is what happens in the story so yeah, like that'd be like going to Hamilton and not knowing who's playing Hamilton. You sure. kind of need to know that sometimes. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to get. Yeah. I don't mean to rant. But I think here's the thing about Totoro too, and I think this is similar in the sense of Colin Farrell. You could go wrong with Totoro being in this role. Like it could, you know, he has the ability of taking it to like that cartoony level that this movie is not going for. And so um, with the characters and the, and the things that we know him for, and I think he did a really good job of being, you know, himself and what we come to expect, but it, it balances that line of being too much. So um, that I just really enjoyed it. Like he was a lot of fun in it for me. I thought he, um, brought a different dynamic to the Falcone character than oh, yeah. we've gotten maybe in previous movies. And so I, I, I thought it was uh, one of those 
ones that I probably would have been like, hmm, I wonder how that's going to work out. That worked out really well. So, yeah, casting, they they definitely nailed in this. Yeah, it was. And, and again, like they like you said, like they have a, a deep bench. Um, I liked how, you know, just to wrap it up before we do our, our popcorn things, like my other thing is like I, I liked how there wasn't any like questioning or getting cute about stuff. Like there was no like things just exist, you know. The penguin just exists, and people and and nobody's like, oh, you know, why did you know? Oh, the penguin. Why do they? They don't make a joke about how that's a goofy name or the iceberg lounge or or the Riddler. Nobody, nobody. When he says like this is the Riddler, everyone's just like, cool. Like okay, that's this is the Riddler. Like that's what we're calling him. Nobody's like, oh, what a goofy name or or, or anything like that. And I just really appreciated that. I appreciated um, the world being what it is. Like, it is unabashedly Gotham. It is unabashedly Batman. It makes no apologies for things. It obviously does different versions of the characters. Like, it obviously, you know, with Riddler, he is portrayed through the lens of, you know, this kind of conspiracy, you know, fueled kind of deranged zodiac kind of mind but like he's still got question marks everywhere he's still leaving riddles everywhere he's still doing green you know i still i still get my green question marks and i really yep. like that about it as well and even from like a film nerd perspective like there's a lot of film nerd shit in this movie the compositions the shot compositions the cinematography you know, there's a lot of shots that are through like unfocused rainy windows. There are a lot of like POV shots, lots of rain, you know, a lot of interesting places where they mount the camera, whether it be like the front of a motorcycle or the side of a car or, or what have you. Um, I really I just really liked all of those touches. Were there any touches again without getting too specific that like stuck out to you? You know, I always whenever there's a new Batman, I kind of pay attention to the city that they the way they choose to portray gotham you know gotham right. has always been something that is like kind of new york kind of chicago um i think in its composition at least and, at uh, least since the dark knight because gotham in the 90s movies was just like an a, a, like a art deco nightmare like literally well and you also you also never really got the zoom out in those movies i feel like yeah like you never like both dark knight and in this movie choose to give you those like cityscape shots you know and things like that whereas i don't remember them in any of the movies before that like i remember definitely a lot of the you know buildings and sets and some of the things um that we had in there but i don't ever remember really zooming out to see the city as a whole like there was some where you could see like a full city block or you know you drove throughout the city but you never really got that like aerial view you know right. um so but i think in general i think most people would go to like if you had to compare it to a city which I think is, you know, true to the comics as well. Like it's kind of like a New York-esque type of city. So um, I enjoyed, I mean, it, to me, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, it was shot in a number of different spots and it's got different characteristics. I walked away from it saying this is a very New York Gotham, whether it be down to the fact that 
they have Gotham Square Garden and right. uh, you know things like that. And so to me, it was very New York, which I'm 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 here for. I, oh, yeah. I enjoyed. Um, but uh, so that that to me was interesting to see. But I do like the way that it wasn't you know just straight New York City. Um, I like the things that kind of made it feel different and, and unique, you know, whether it be, you could very quickly be out to like the country and, uh-huh. you know, that dynamic that's been there in dark Knight as well as in, in, in this, this movie. So I enjoyed some of those aspects of it. Um, I enjoy also that we didn't fully explore Gotham in this movie. Um, you know, even though we know some of the trademark things, whether it be like Arkham Asylum and and some other landmarks of a typical Batman city that are in Gotham, we didn't really explore all those areas, which to me leaves them open to be explored in more detail in movies to come and to continue to expand this city of Gotham and, and the different parts of it. So um, that was something that I found interesting as well as uh, where they chose to put um, where Bruce was living, um, which I think was a, a shift from any of the previous movies as well. Uh, yeah. Which, which was, which was interesting to see that decision as well. Yeah. They really modeled it after some of like the traditional, you know, uh, founding families of other big cities where, you know, Wayne Manor is really part of a tower in, in, in the city rather than away. So you're absolutely right. Like it's very cool. Very interesting. Um, the, the times square, the Gotham square aspect of it, the, the dingy subway, you know, L trains and it's just, all of it is just awesome. It's just a, a really it feels like a real city. It feels like it's real, but it's also heightened and stylized, which I really appreciated. Like it feels like a city where you would find like a roving gang of people doing knockout videos online, painting their faces like would exist. Uh, and I was a big fan of it. Now I absolutely want to talk spoilers, David. I know you want to talk a little bit of spoilers free from the constraints of spoiler warning. Uh, but we got to do our popcorn diet ratings first, obviously. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of stars or thumbs up, we do our popcorn ratings. And it's a spectrum of popcorn ratings. The very bottom is burnt popcorn. If something is burnt popcorn, that means it is a bad movie that is not worth your time. Don't bother. If something is stale popcorn, that means it's not great. It's not ideal, but it's... it's stale you know if you're in a pinch if you absolutely have to watch it it's fine just don't expect anything really satisfying out of it microwave popcorn is middle of the road it's fine your mileage may vary some people find microwave popcorn really enjoyable some people find it not so much so it really is more of a perspective thing it is middle of the road it is it is perfectly fine Movie theater popcorn means go see this movie in a movie theater. Take the time, maybe not right away, maybe not this very second, but take the time, go see it on a big screen. It will definitely be worth your uh, your investment. And then perfect popcorn is, of course, go out and see this movie as fast as possible on the biggest screen that you can. David, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. It's perfect popcorn for me, man. Like there's it's a long investment of time. 
obviously, as we had mentioned, it's three hours. But if you are looking to get out into the world again and you are able to do it in a way that is safe for you, I could think of worse ways to spend an afternoon slash evening than a nice dinner and going to see the Batman on a big screen. I saw it on a real big screen, just got out of it before we did this recording. It's just so much fun. It's so great. I really enjoy it. What are your popcorn rating or what is your popcorn rating for the Batman? I'm not going to belabor it. It's perfect popcorn for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I think, like I said, all, all the things that we've talked about this far and all the things we will talk about, I don't have a whole lot of holes to poke in it other than finding three and a half hours i'm i'm annoyed that it's three and a half hours long because it's difficult for me to find three and a half hours in my life to sneak away and see it without staying up till two in the morning so other than that um i loved it i enjoyed it i'm excited to re-enter this world hopefully at least a couple more times me too very much so and i want to talk more about the world i want to get into spoilers but before we do we're going to take one more break all right, full spoilers from here on out, David. Kind of like what we were talking about before. What would you say was like your best or your there's so many like Batman, like just stuff that Batman does like bat, like the best Batman thing. I don't know what that I, when I wrote down, like, what's the best Batman thing? Like that could be a fight. That could be the detective shit that he does. He does a lot of great detective work in here. Um, what would you say is one of or a couple of your favorite like Batman things in this movie that happened? I think the first one that comes to mind is the the chase in the Batmobile. Oh, it's obviously, so, it's so good. Obviously, we had the, you know, little hints at the Batmobile, and I thought it was interesting how they kept kind of teasing it um, because in this in this movie, obviously, he rides around primarily on his on his bike. And even when he's even when he's fighting crime, he's on his motorcycle and um, he's not typically dressed as Batman when he's on his motorcycle. Yeah, he's usually, he usually in his incognito mode. Yeah. And so. But we had multiple shots of him. I don't know, I assume in his like basement um, underneath Wayne Tower, uh, his Batcave. Yeah, his, in essence, his Batcave, but it looks like an old... They went a little uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and went old uh, Subway Terminal. Yeah, terminal, it's great. Uh, terminal. <laughs> big, but, uh, big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 vibes. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we just needed an old car, real, uh, old uh, subway car on there. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> but uh you saw the engine sitting out and I think there was even a close-up of the engine, not even like in the scene leading up to that happening. And it was almost like, don't worry, the Batmobile will show up. I know we're two hours into this movie and you haven't seen the Batmobile yet, but it's coming. And, uh, but that chase scene was just phenomenal. Him uh, chasing Penguin. One of, I mean, you could, you could put it into a Fast and Furious movie and it would fit in. So, it's I mean, just so a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, series. And, and that car just looks fantastic on screen. 
the, um, this the like way Frankenstein together muscle car uh, was we, just fantastic. I think we, the other thing for me would be would be the detective scenes. I thought they all worked. Uh, I think you could get rid of the bat suit and just have them be this like you know disgraced former cop that just a know, private eye in. yeah yeah like a private eye that gets brought into cases occasionally to help by by gordon and it would have worked like obviously it wouldn't have been a batman movie no. but it would have worked really well and so i think that is a testament to a well-written movie is if you're going for that detective noir and you can remove the batman portion of it and it still really work yeah uh Obviously, that was some of my favorite parts of it as well. The the way that the Batmobile is revealed, I know, like it's 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 like a demon car. It's like you know, you had mentioned Mad Max and Fast and Furious, and and I I remember Christine, and the way like the way that this car is firing up in the shadows, and the way that the engine is just it's not even loud. It's mean. It's angry. It's really incredible the way that the and the little bits of fire that are popping up from the engine and the way that it keeps like zooming in on the penguin's face as he's like, oh, this is a problem. Um, absolutely love that entire reveal, that entire sequence. I love the detective stuff. I love that he's low tech, but he still has tech. So like the little electrical shock thing in his glove that he uses on the guy that shoots at him in the first fight. You know, is, is a little touch of that. The the um, contact lens camera is a great little touch of that. It's also a really great way to like kind of write around the idea of him getting access to like forensic evidence that he would never really have access to. Um, the fighting is so much fun because it, it really is like to, to me, it feels even more visceral and cathartic when he just starts beating the shit out of guys because you spend this time with him as a detective trying to put the clues together. So like, like literally when the, in the, in the finale where uh, he drops down and starts beating the crap out of all the Riddler goons, like when mm -hmm. the, when the explosions start going off, I literally, I've seen this movie twice and both times I'm just like, let's effing go. Like it, we're, we're, <laughs> Even now, like I get giddy about how it's like, okay, the Riddler's effectively kind of quote unquote one, and there's no more detecting to do. It's just I have to stop these guys and I have to save these people. It's just awesome. That I love that last fight. I think it's so freaking cool. Um, I love how him and Alfred are like working clues together. Uh, and Alfred's just as much a part of the detective stuff as he is. So much fun, man. And and I think kind of leading into the next question of like favorite story moments or character moments, I think one of my favorite parts about this movie is that Batman has a, and I mentioned this obviously in non-spoilers, but that Batman has a character arc that is unlike, I think, any of the other Batmans that we have seen on screen before. You know, Affleck kind of had one going over the course of a few films. The problem is, is he started out at a place of like, well, this is weird because this isn't normally where Batman is supposed to be in terms of like angry and like just straight up murking people. 
And then that turned into an arc of like, oh, I need to be, you know, it's a redemption story and I need to unite people. Pattinson goes through a very similar arc here, except it feels so much more natural in the way that it's written. You know, the way the way that him as Batman in the beginning is just an instrument of fear. I am vengeance. I am here to strike fear into the hearts of Gotham's criminals. But at the beginning of the film, when he beats the shit out of the, the gang, the guy that he's saving is like, please don't hurt me. He's equally scared. And then over the course of the film, you know, there are moments where he gets to connect with the mayor's son. Uh, whether it be at the crime scene when they share, you know, a look with one another, whether it be at the funeral when Bruce Wayne looks at him again, or at the very end when Batman actually becomes, like quite literally, becomes the light for people to follow, holding the holding the flare for them to follow him. And when he reaches out to the people, they're scared, but the kid who he has had a connection with over the course of the entire film is the one that reaches out. And that arc from like, I need to be more than just fear and vengeance. I need to be a tool of hope and seeing him actually do heroic things to help people, whether it be carrying them, whether it be letting them out and helping them with this disaster. Again, we've seen Batman save people before. We've seen Batman, you know, save lives, but oftentimes it's because he's fighting the villain who is running some type of machine that is hurting people from afar. That was what the Riddler was. That was what... You know, uh, Mr. Freeze was that's even Raza Ghul and the Joker with the bombs on the on the boats and things like that. Like it was so cool to see like him get an opportunity to rally citizens of Gotham around him. That is maybe one of my favorite story moments and character moments is seeing that arc. How did you feel about that? How did you feel about the story and how it evolved and the characters and how they evolved? Yeah. So I think in I think in this movie, Batman is probably his evolution is probably the the familiar aspect for me from like not necessarily that i've seen it done this way before but if i go back to christopher nolan's and again this is doing it off of memory in the way that it sticks in my mind i feel like in batman begins he's rarely seen in that movie he's more of like like bad guys are like scared of him and right. Like no one knows quite what he is. And it's just like, there's this, there's rumors of this like vigilante, but people don't even have a great look at him. Especially you know? in the scenes at like the Harbor when he's just taking guys out. Yep. And like when he's like breaking into like stop like Scarecrow and his thugs, when they're all like, yep. where is he? Where's he at? Oh, the, beware the Batman. Like that kind of yep. thing. But then you get to the second movie, which I was watching not too long ago in dark night and he's become this like rallying symbol like people are dressing up as the batman you know like everybody like he's the hero he's like the the sweetheart you know he's the you know the shining light in the city that kind of thing he's the hero um and then obviously you know the the famous lines from the end of that where you know you either retire die a hero or live yourself long enough to become the villain um, obviously we didn't get the villain aspect in this movie, but we did see the evolution from like this just straight vigilante that's in the shadows to this symbol, um, which is or at funny, least, like laid the foundation for him to be the symbol right. by what he does in the end. We don't see the end result of like people saying, yay, the Batman, but obviously when you see him like rescuing people out of 
uh, Gotham Square Garden, like people uh-huh. are going to say, like, this guy's a hero. And it's on and we get like news. We get like the news clip where it says like Batman vigilante saves hundreds. And yeah, it, you bring up how like in the dark night, he's a rallying symbol. That's the f- one of my favorite parts about this movie, too, is he is a rallying symbol in this movie, except for the bad guys. The mm-hmm. the Riddler thinks that they're partners the entire time. Yeah. And even at the end, when he beats the absolute tar out of that one guy which is just fantastic just absolute like he's on pure adrenaline and that guy says i'm vengeance it clicks in his head like i cannot just be fear and anger and vengeance i have to be better and then he goes and he like does this heroic leap and grabs the power line and cuts it to save people and the music swells and it's like i can't just be a guy who beats the shit out of people like I have to inspire hope. I love that so much. Yeah, but w- yeah, and th- that's where like I think the thing that I thought was more impressive, even though you got very little Bruce Wayne time, is just the evolution of Bruce Wayne, right? And the way that they chose to go about this story. Like some movies, we've gotten more or less of Thomas Wayne and who he was and and the impact of that. And typically he's this like, you know, right. Like this savior, this white knight that was cut down. And I think obviously we had that, but I think what this did was show that, you know, no one's perfect to some degree. And I think that obviously resonating with, you know, obviously changing the view that Bruce had of his parents, but not necessarily changing you know, the legacy to that degree, like understanding that just like his parents weren't perfect, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. And, right. and just, I think just the maturity on a, on a personal level for him, uh, I think was cool to see um, his evolution. Like I said, or like you said uh, about as the Batman, you know, that aha moment around vengeance and that kind of stuff. And even some of the voiceovers that you get um, on the end, which are so great. I love the detective voiceover so much. Yeah. And, and so I think all of it worked and I'm a huge fan of it. And, and that's where to me, like as much as I love this movie, I'm more, I think I'm more excited about where it goes from here because, you know, you, you have to do the origin story and this wasn't your typical origin story, but it still was an origin story to us in this world and how this portrayal of Batman was going to be and how this Gotham is different and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm excited to see, okay, we've got that behind us, you know, much like Christopher Nolan's mm-hmm. Batman Begins. I love that movie, but like what came after it was the really, really good stuff. Like was, was the, the exciting yeah. stuff. Like we yeah. really got into the meat of the city of the character, all that kind of stuff. And so that's where I'm excited. Even the concept of like, and this is a random thing um, of like Alfred that it's clear, like Alfred's the one that taught Bruce how to fight. Like he says uh-huh. that in the movie, like I could teach you how to fight, but I couldn't teach you, you know, I can't remember that a second half of it, but it's like he needed a father. It, he was unequipped. It, 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 yeah. It appears that like Alfred's a badass, like not only from the standpoint of like him as like helping him solve these crimes, like it also seems like, He's the one that taught 
Bruce how to fight. And so like, I even love the idea that we might get like Alfred fighting some people at some point in the series with, with the foundation that they laid. Um, whereas like, we've obviously never seen that. Like, I don't need it, but like, right. It's something new and different. And I would be perfectly fine if Alfred, you know, cracks some skulls. So throws down a little bit. I love, so Andy circus isn't in this movie a lot, but you're absolutely right in that. That really helps like, again, highlight and define the, the way that Bruce grows in that, I think that this is a, I think this is the least amount that we've gotten Bruce Wayne in a Batman movie like him outside of the suit being Bruce Wayne. There's really only a couple of scenes where like he's eating breakfast with Alfred um, and or like they're in the Batcave, you know, doing detective shit. There's quite literally only one scene where he's out in public as Bruce Wayne and he's a recluse. He is somebody who doesn't care about being Bruce Wayne, doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne, doesn't care about you know, the, the Wayne stuff. And he also gives Alfred shit like a few times in this movie about like, you're not my father. And Al- and that hurts mm-hmm. Alfred because he's like, I like, don't you know, you don't think I know that. Or when Alfred offers him his cufflinks and he's like, oh, are you a Wayne? Like he he gives Alfred a lot of shit. And then they have that really cathartic moment in the hospital where Alfred kind of sets him straight because he comes in like Alfred just got blown the, the hell up and he comes in. And the first thing he says to Alfred, once Alfred is awake, is like, you lied to me. Hey, asshole. Yep. Like he doesn't call him an asshole, but that's, that's the, the vibe. And Alfred has to set him straight. And Alfred has to be like, number one, why would you trust a mob boss to tell you a straight story? This is how it went. Sure. Number two, yep. the amount of guilt that Alfred feels for the death of the Waynes something that he and Bruce can continue to bond over and the way that he sort of tries to absolve Bruce of like, you were just a boy, you know, you needed a father, you needed support. And I was unequipped for that, but like, you need to know that your father acted like honorably in a moment of weakness, he went to a bad place, but for an honorable reason, I'm so excited to see what Bruce Wayne becomes more of in the next one as well. Because, again, we don't yep. get a lot of him here because he's not interested in, in the, talking to the accountants or anything like that. Um, and I love that moment. That moment actually got me a little bit emotionally because obviously you got some really good conversations between, like, Michael Caine and Christian Bale and things like that. I don't know. There's just something very real and raw and visceral about that connection with them um, that I'm excited to see continue to grow and move. Um, another relationship that I talked about before was Gordon and Batman and seeing what Gordon and Batman turned into more. The fact that like, it's so interesting that these two trust each other so intrinsically more than their colleagues, more than the the police, more than any of that. They literally say to each other, like, I only trust you. I only trust you. And this is a guy in a mask. So to continue to explore that, and the way that, again, these two are off are like operating like buddy cops. And that's super fun to me in a way that like even the relationship between Gordon and Batman in um, Nolan's trilogy. There was a couple of moments like there was a moment in the Dark Knight where they're like in a bank vault that has been robbed and they're kind of doing like detective shit. But for the most part, they're mostly strategizing. Right. Like Christian Bale's Batman and, and Oldman's Gordon are talking strategy. You know, Batman's boots on the ground and Gordon's trying to get things done. 
I love that they're like at detective scenes together, or at the te- uh, crime scenes together. And there are all of these different times where the police are like, what the hell is going on? Like, why? Like, um, even the little arc of the one officer, I think his name is Martinez. Uh, I don't have yeah. the. Yep. I think it's Officer Martinez. And the way that like it starts with him being like, hey, dude, like you can't come in here. And the, in the first scene where he's just like, like, oh, police only. And Gordon has to convince him to come in. And then the end of the movie, they're literally like working together at the Riddler's like hideout. Uh, Just these little arcs are so fascinating. And we haven't even gotten to talk about the Riddler. How did you like Paul Dano? You know, it's funny because Paul Dano is known as like this great actor and stuff like that. But he is somebody who can play it so small and then really ratchet it up, really just crank it. And he has a couple of moments in this movie where he is speechifying and he is doing all kinds of things, ranting and raving, where it's just like, man, there he is. There's like uh, what he's like the preacher in There Will Be Blood is he hits that vibe again, which I really, really enjoyed. Listen, Paul Dana was was built to play a serial killer. So <laughs> it's it's the perfect type of role for him and he does a phenomenal job. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, obviously you couldn't go the cartoony version of Riddler in it. I think, yeah, I I just think it worked like, like everything in it. I mean, I think that comes back to, you know, all the casting within this and and we haven't even talked about Zoe Kravitz who is phenomenal in this, in this movie. Um, in a different take on Catwoman, more leaning into the cat burglar side of things. And right. um, obviously her history with Falcone, which I don't think we've had in other movies. And so I think all of that dynamic and even just the way that they leverage the evolution of her character with Bruce's character, like I think of the fight, um, when she goes to kill Falcone, you know, some of the things that he says throughout that scene that are just as much for himself and his own self-realization as, as hers. Um, So I I just think there's a lot of really cool aspects that she brings. I think she's phenomenal in it. Uh, I would think there's a good chance that she could return in future movies as well. Um, And I think that would be an, I think that would be an example of, Maybe it wasn't necessarily planned to bring her back in future movies, but she's going to be so well received from this that you kind of have to find a way to bring her back at some point or for something. Um, so I, I think what... that'll be interesting to see kind of where this goes next because we get the tease of the Joker and it's cast. And obviously that's a natural and already been done next progression right from a standpoint of joker but almost all batman movies this one not excluded from that have more than one villain and so it'll be interesting to see where they go because they could just bring riddler back because they set that up in the prison 
but there's obviously so many and penguins still around. So like, it's just super interesting to me where they're going to go next. And that's where I'm like, as much as I love this movie, I'm more excited to see where it goes next as I am about this movie itself. I want more. And that's, I mean, perfect, perfect way to wrap up this conversation with, which is what's coming up next. And like, again, this is the spoiler part. So screw it. Nobody dies in this movie. I mean, Falcone dies, but like all of the rogues are still alive and they're still lurking. Right. And that is also something that doesn't normally happen in Batman movies. I mean, obviously, Ledger's tragic passing away prevented the Joker from coming back again. But I mean, even in Nolan's films like Ra's al Ghul died, Bane died, Talia al Ghul died, Scarecrow always still kicking around, always still a little slippery bastard. The Scarecrow is. Um, but there's so so. There's just so many ways that we could go. And what's super interesting is like Matt Reeves is out here already talking about like, don't expect the Joker to maybe even be in the next movie. Don't expect him to play a huge part. And I love the possibility of that. Like, I love the possibility that Selena can go off and be in Bloodhaven for a movie or two and then come back when needed. I love that the Joker could maybe exist in the prison because Reeves also talked about a scene where, the joke uh, Batman goes to the Joker to have a conversation with him about the Riddler, about this killer and goes to the Joker, almost like a Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling type of thing. That would be really interesting to keep Joker as like this caged animal only to unleash him at like the end, you know, or only to unleash him in like the, the final picture of the series or whatever. But like you said, Riddler's still around and now has a new friend, which isn't great for Gotham in general or Batman in general. Penguin obviously has an area of power in which he can, you know, move into. I think maybe the, the most interesting part, and this is one of the more, I want to ask you about this. So what's really interesting is that Gotham is not necessarily in ruins at the end of this movie, but it's like, it's like New Orleans, like it's Katrina level kind of ecological disaster. It's completely flooded. And there's some really interesting stories in the comic books about Gotham having been hit by an earthquake and having it be this no man's land where all of these different villains are trying to, you know, gobble up territory. So would that be an interesting way to go where we still get a year two Batman having to deal with these, 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 this power struggle in the city amongst all these crime bosses, obviously penguin would be involved or could we jump ahead where that's done, Penguin won the war, theoretically. What do you think? What would you what what would you like to see? Because those are two very, very interesting options, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and I think that's where I think where they started this, there's so many different options. And the way they left it, there's so many different options. And because of the style that they've gone with there's so many options because you could easily open the next movie with a voiceover of describing what's happened in the last year right or five years or it's been whatever a rough it six is. months it's been a rough year ever exactly. since the floods two years ago like you can do any of that yeah you can do any of that and set up the next whatever you want so like literally i feel like the way that they left it like the world is their oyster. Like they can do whatever they want. Everybody's in for 
this world that they've created, they can really go in any direction that they want. They don't have to bring Joker out just because you tease him being in jail. Like that could be setting up an Arkham Arkham Asylum type movie where oh yeah, where we've got all sorts of people that are all sharing the asylum together and like I wouldn't be surprised if we go like that route if we dip into some of the stuff from the video games and those types of things yep uh, some people have brought up um uh you know the funny thing is is that the Batman comic books still keep going on and still introduce new adversaries right so there are the traditional ones your Riddlers your Jokers blah 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 but there's like the Court of Owls for example which is relatively new and the Court of Owls was in the comic books is basically like this secret society of like uber rich people who got together. They wore like owl masks and they were super creepy. That would be an interesting kind of um, uh, what sort I'm looking for reaction to Riddler's war on the elite and those in power in this movie. If they brought in the court of owls, uh, I think Matt Reeves has talked about the possibility of doing Mr. Freeze which could be really interesting in this in this type of world. Like, is he going to be Mr. Freeze in a, you know, cryogenic suit with an ice gun? Or is he going to be somebody who had like his eyebrows and hair frozen off and kills people with liquid nitrogen? You know, yeah. uh, like the freeze backstory is always interesting in terms of making him a sympathetic villain as a guy who's like, I'm not trying to kill people like I'm just here to save my wife. The possibilities are endless. Where would you like to see it go for the, the final question? Like, what do you want to see the next time? I think I, I want it to stay in kind of the detective mode that we're in. Um, I don't want to see it kind of depart to, into this like full on like superhero mode. Like I'd love to keep the reins in a little bit still and him still helping gordon i mean obviously there's potential for gordon to in the next movie become commissioner gordon right because we don't have a commissioner at this time he's a lieutenant now and the guy that batman picks a fight with is the chief so there's still people in front of him but yeah so there's still obviously that opportunity for for that evolution but um i'd love to like just take it easy and and go for the route of like we have another serial we have you know another guy on the loose from that standpoint right. and like make it be something that we have to kind of track down and you can start to introduce this new guy's elements putting, that, this guy's putting heads in ice blocks like what's this guy's yeah. deal yeah exactly but like all while playing the long game not necessarily you know, think of like Marvel where like early on you had these relatively contained stories, but there was pieces in those stories that were starting to lead to something bigger. And like, that's where like, I would be all for like, we're not leading to an, a justice league or something like that, but we could be leading into like one of those comic book stories where there's like four or five villains V Batman. Batman and maybe we get a Robin at some point and you know we could be leading to one of those like if you think of like comic books how a lot of times like or even animated series where they they build up there's like a series of 
things that build up to one big showdown type of thing. Right. Like I would love something like that where like we keep meeting these new villains and we keep locking them up in Arkham Asylum and then suddenly, you know, Arkham Asylum gets busted out and we have like this group that could be unleashed v batman so like i would love something like that where we still keep the restraints on a little bit and don't yeah. go too crazy um but lay the foundation for us to have that satisfying like huge movie where we do really take all this work that we've built up and all this groundwork that we've laid and mm -hmm. and really have that big payoff so that's that's where i would dream of it going i think i'm on that same page as you i think the difficulty is that the way that this movie ends leaves the that is such an interesting challenge for batman that it's like i want to see immediately after this but i also want to i don't want necessarily year two again you know so that's that's mm -hmm. a really tough conundrum but there are i think I mean, there are so many stories that are very similar to what you said. There are three that are um, that come out to me. The No Man's Land storyline from the comic books is the one that I already mentioned, where Gotham is hit by a gigantic earthquake, is basically declared no man's land by the by the United States government. And then like Two-Face gets like the courthouse and like Penguin runs this the north end and like, you know, Bane has taken over here and that's just super cool. And he's got to basically like, it's basically a land acquisition game where he has to help the GCPD like, okay, we're going to take over this territory. It's basically like mini warfare, right? That would be super cool, but we're not there yet. There's the Bane, the traditional Bane storyline was Bane shows up, unleashes all of the Arkham inmates, watches Batman tire himself out, capturing all of them, and then goes in and, and breaks his back, beats the shit out of him. That could be interesting. Or... Um, I think it's, I think it's called Arkham Asylum, a serious home for serious health or something like that. I'm, I'm screwing up the title, but it's a, again, a graphic novel where the inmates have taken over the asylum and he has to go in and they demand that he comes in here. Obviously that was the basis for the Arkham Asylum game, which was amazing, but like, mm -hmm. how cool would that be if we just get like Batman, like trying to detect his way through a, a madhouse of people that he's thrown in there, but not until we get a cup, maybe two or three more movies. So I'm with you, man. That would be so cool. I would love for them to treat like minor villains, like minor villains. Like in this movie, it starts with him just beating up a gang. So like, why can't the next movie start with him just like beating up like, you know, Mad Hatter or Killer Croc? Or, or Professor Pig or one of these like dipshit, you know, guys who's clearly a problem, but not like a whole movie's worth of a problem. You know, that's why I always really enjoyed The Dark Knight, because it opens with him taking out the Scarecrow again. It's like, oh, cool. We got more villains. Um, mm -hmm. The possibilities are endless. But I think the one thing that you and I can say is that we're we're here for more Batman. Absolutely. I can't wait for more. It gets me so excited. Uh, I'm so excited that we have more Batman again. Um, and I, and like, I mean, like I said, can't wait for more, uh, that about does it. But before we wrap up, I want to remind y'all again, that you can get free episodes of the popcorn diet, wherever you listen to your podcast, just by hitting subscribe or hit that follow button. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, 
share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, don't want you to forget, you can check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider supporting in, in little indie film podcast, passion project of ours. If you like what we do, you know, throw us a dollar or two if you can afford it. We always appreciate it. Patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and you can vote for the hindsight awards on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.